Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, The bottom line is when it's your time to step on the mat, be ready, be smart, and make things go your way. And it's a funny thing to say, but that's really how simple it is. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to impose your will on an opponent, um, but that's what it comes down to. It's you or the other guy. That's what's great about that's what's great about this sport. What's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I'm glad you are here. Happy Thursday, January 27th, one day before the big Iowa-Penn State wrestling duel. Sold out already. Carver-Hawkeye Arena. Going to start at 8 p.m. Central Time, live on Big Ten Network. You do not want to miss this. Number one, Penn State. Number three, Iowa. That's if only we're using Intermat's tournament poll, which is generally the poll I use because it kind of gives me the best lens through which to cover this team. Um, And that way I can be completely and 100% honest with you guys. Um, Hey, thanks for tuning in. Got a really jam-packed show for you guys today. So we're just going to hop right into it. Got a bunch of interviews for you guys um, from the Iowa side. Tom Brand, Jacob Warner, Michael Kemmer from the Penn State side. Um, Got a hold of some audio from Cale Sanderson and Drew Hildebrandt from earlier this week. And then we're going to end today's show with a really, really fun conversation, um, I think, with a handful of Big Ten Network producers. As you guys probably know, there is a documentary coming out this Friday after the duel on Tom and Terry Brands. Um, the Brands Brothers, the Big Ten story, um, kind of dives into the lives of Tom and Terry Brands, their upbringing from Sheldon, Iowa, all the way to um, you know their, their co- collegiate wrestling careers at the University of Iowa, their Olympic pursuits in 96 and 2000, and then uh, kind of into how they've evolved as coaches since they've both been working at the University of Iowa. So got to talk to uh, the masterminds behind that documentary and try and hype that one up a little bit, as well as this duel, right? And it doesn't really take a whole lot to hype up this duel, right? It's Iowa. It's Penn State. Um, these two programs have combined to win 12 of the last 14 NCAA team titles. Um Penn State has won eight uh, over the last decade. Iowa has won four, including last year's. Um, you know, even without uh, high-powered Spencer Lee in the Hawkeyes lineup, there is still so much about this duel that is very, very intriguing. And that's kind of what uh, today is going to be all about, right? I wanted to uh, kind of break down the probable lineups for both squads, kind of give you guys uh, my quick thoughts on what this duel is going to ultimately look like on paper. And then we'll dive right into the interviews and, and cap it off with our conversation with our uh, Big Ten Network folks. So, uh, hey, we'll take a quick break, come right back to it. We'll talk about these lineups here, and then we'll get today's show rolling. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. So 
So this stage, pretty easy to set, right? Um, Iowa comes in 11-0 and overall, 5-0 and against the Big Ten. They've won 29 duels in a row. Uh, Penn State comes in 13-0, 5-0 also in the Big Ten, and riding a 24-match win streak that actually started right after the Hawkeyes beat these guys in their previous meeting, um, which was January 2020. That was a pretty electric duel, right? I don't know how much you guys remember of that one, but Iowa jumped out to a 5-0 lead after a technical fall from Spencer Lee at 125. Then they were actually down 11-4. RBY beat Austin DeSanto via injury default. Then Nick Lee went out and uh, beat Carter Happel by technical fall. Uh, Combined that with a a deducted point from the Iowa side, I believe control of Matt area, and 5-0 becomes 11-4 in a blink. Iowa responds by winning five of the next seven matches, ultimately takes it 19-17. to 17. Um, Clutch wins from Michael Kemmer, Jacob Warner, Tony Cassiope in three of the last four matches down the stretch. Electric win for the Hawkeyes in front of a sold-out Carver crowd. Um, this week is going to be a little different. Um, I mean, a lot different, right? A lot of the same characters, but I... Um, you know, I felt like Iowa was pretty heavily favored in that duel back in 2020. Um, this year... Not so much. Um, I, there's definitely a path for Iowa to win, and there's, I mean, there's also a path for Penn State to win. There are multiple paths for both of those results to show up, um, and none of them I don't think would really surprise me because here's, here's kind of my rationale behind that, right? Of the 10 weights, um, and based on the probables, based on what we've seen from both teams, I think it's fair to say that two weights belong to Iowa, that is 157. Um, got Caleb Young there. He could wrestle either um, Terrell Baraclo or Tony Negron. Um, and then 165, obviously, Alex Marinelli. He could be wrestling uh, Brady Berge or Creighton Edsel. Um, and then I think two weights probably definitively belong to Penn State. Um, 133, I know that could probably be considered a toss-up just because of how close those matches were. And obviously DeSanto has beaten RBY before, but just the way that RBY has figured out how to wrestle DeSanto, I just, it's, I, that would be a very, very tall mountain to climb. Um, so I'll give uh, 133 to Penn State and then 184 Aaron Brooks, um, especially now that he's just fully healthy. Um, he has wrestled a gauntlet of a schedule to this point, um, you know, wrestling guys like Chris Foka, Parker Keckeyes, and just last week, Miles Amin, um, before that, John Poznanski. I mean, he's just found a way to win all of those, and he's looked fairly impressive doing it. So um, not a shot at Abasad at all, by any means. Just Aaron Brooks, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that he's that good. So those are those are four matches, two and two. The other six, absolute toss-up matches, and those are the six that are going to decide this duel, right? I mean, you're looking at 125, Drew Hildebrandt, known commodity for Penn State, right? Um, All-American um, guy that's just been kind of steady, right? They just they picked him up at the, uh, um, you know, I want to say at the waiver wire, but I mean, kind of a mid-season acquisition, so to speak, through the transfer portal. So, you know, kind of a, just a plug-and-play guy, right? He's 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 stepped in, and he's, he's looked really good for them at 25. You know, whether it's Drake Ayala or Jesse Ibarra, um, you know, you're looking at a couple of freshmen against a guy who's been around, right? Um, been around, been there, done that. Um, going to be a tall challenge either way. I, th- I think, you know, if Drake ends up being the guy, um, I got some confidence that he could win that match. If it's Jesse, I'd, I don't know that we've seen enough offense out of him to to have that same belief. So we'll we'll kind of see how that one how that one shakes up. But you know that that's a toss up there. One forty one, same thing, right? Jaden Ironman versus Nick Lee, one of two rematches from the NCAA championships last year. Um, Nick Lee obviously won the NCAA final um, two weeks earlier. Jaden Ironman won the Big Ten final. Believe Jaden Ironman has a win over Nick Lee um, previous meeting in their collegiate career. 
career. So, you know, that one could go either way, right? Which which Jaden Ironman shows up, which Nick Lee shows up, and, and how does that style clash when they hit the mat, right? Um, the other NCAA final rematch, 174, obviously, Michael Kemmer from Iowa, Carter Storacci from Penn State. Storacci, again, um, you know, got the win in the NCAA final two weeks earlier. Michael Kemmer got him in the Big Ten final. So, you know, which which Michael Kemmer shows up, which Carter Storacci shows up. Storacci looks like he has taken a step um, just over the last few months and especially throughout the college season. Um, how much is, is Kemmer's shoulder going to impact how that match goes? Um, you know, does it impact it at all? Does it, does it only impact Kemmer and just what he's able to do offensively? You know, being more, a little bit more selective and efficient about his shots. Does it, does it impact how, uh, you know, how Storacci is able to kind of, I don't know if he's able to scramble his way out of um, certain wrestling positions. What does he attack? What does he go after? Lots of intrigue there, um, you know, just kind of which which guys show up and, and how does that kind of impact the the, the stylistic clash overall, right? Um, maybe the most interesting matchup, I think, 197, um, Jacob Warner, Max Dean. Um, you know, Warner has has a pretty strong history of stepping up in big matches and big duels like this, right? And and not just stepping up, but but winning those matches, right? There was, you know, the duel against Iowa State that Iowa won 19-18 a few years ago. Um, you know, Warner fought through a, a knee injury, in-match knee injury, and beat Willie Miklas, who's a four-time All-American, right? Um, you know, later that same season, he beat uh, Eric Schultz from Nebraska as Iowa rallied from down 10-6 to to win 20-13, to um, you know, earlier this year. Um, NC State's Isaac Trumbull, like Iowa needed that match to win that duel. Um, and, and Warner came through with a third period takedown on that one, three to one, right? Um, you know, and then I obviously the last time that these guys matched up, right? Warner stepped up, uh, beat Shakur Rashid at 197, and that paved the way for Tony Cassiope to close it down at heavyweight. So, you know, Max Dean looks really, really good this year. Um, Warner tends to find a way. So just a real interesting kind of, you know, couple of storylines there to, to maybe keep an eye on. Obviously, 285, super interesting as well. Tony Cassiope, Greg Kirkfleet, two top five guys, um, you know, two returning All-Americans. Tony has has a win over Kirkfleet last year. Um, you know, it was 9-0 at the Big Ten Championships. Um, you know, Kirkfleet's now fully healthy now. And guys, he looks really impressive, right? He, he took down Mason Paris 8-5 um, to five last week when Penn State rolled through Michigan. So, um, different Greg Kirkfleet that I think Tony's going to get, but this is a this is a different Tony Cassiope, right? I mean, this is this is kind of the first true um, test of Tony's weight loss experiment, right? Like he did it to to feel a little stronger, feel a little faster, um, you know, get to positions a little bit quicker, try to get the finishes a little bit quicker. Um, this is one of those matches where. You know, that's this is what you do those things for, right? To win a match like this, to help you with seeding, to you know, to help you down the line. Um, you know, this is a guy that he's going to see in March, perhaps multiple times, right? So, you know, can you get this one now? Um, and if not, what can you learn from it to make adjustments moving forward, right? Because this one will obviously have a pretty big impact on on Big Ten seeding, and then the Big Ten championships are obviously going to have a pretty big impact on NCAA seeding. Um, you know, I think the the one that maybe we didn't mention, 149, just is intriguing, right? Max Mirren versus Bo Bartlett. You know, those two guys, um, pretty strong knack for uh, for wrestling really close matches, right? I think, uh, you know, you kind of look at their at their records. Um, you know, Max Mirren, 6-2 and two overall. Um, you know, 3-2, and two, I believe, in matches decided by two points or fewer. Uh, Bo Bartlett's 10-3, and three, and he's 6-2 and two in matches decided by two points or fewer, right? So... You know, this this is one that that Max probably needs to have if, if Iowa wants to win this duel. That's, you know, I, I say that there's six toss up matches. You know, it could be one of those matches where, you know, if everything goes according to plan and we know how often that happens, which is to say slim to none. Um, 
you know, it, it could be, you know, it could be 24 to 6 Penn State. It could be 24 to 6 Iowa. It could be 15-15. And none of these would surprise me. And I don't think any of them should surprise you guys as well. Um, the one thing I know I'm going to be paying attention to, um, assuming we start at 125 pounds, we'll know Friday, um, obviously, which, uh, you know, where we're starting the duel at. But if the duel does start at 125 pounds, that stretch from 141 to 174 is going to be absolutely crucial if Iowa wants to win this duel, right? I think you can, you can go ahead and just kind of toss 125 out there if, if, you know, if Drake goes and he's able to get the win, um, you know, kind of a little bit of a cushion there, I would think, for the Hawkeyes. But that 141 through 174 stretch, I mean, think about this with me. Um, you know, let's say Ironman, you know, this is going to be Jaden Ironman's very first ever sold out, no seats available Carver Hawkeye arena crowd. How much juice is that going to give him, right? Like the support for the program and, and the fandom is, is part of why he decided to come up here, right? So he's going to finally get to experience that. How much juice is that going to give him? If he can get a win over Nick Lee, like that's a lot of energy that's going to get injected into a sold out Carver Hawkeye arena, right? So then, you know, can Max Murin play on that? Can you get a little bit of a snowball going? Um, you know, that, that would take, you know, three wins there into the break, right? 165 coming out, Alex Marinelli, you got to think he's going to be feeling pretty good about where the team's at. Um, can he get a pretty big win there over Brady Berge? And then that takes you into 174. Can Kemmer capitalize on that? Um, you know, like that's, you know, there, there, it's not unreasonable to think that Iowa could win those five matches in a row. And if that's the case, um, then you're looking at, you know, you just, you kind of just need one more, right? So now there's, Obviously, if that doesn't happen, right, Nick Lee's absolutely more than capable of beating um, Jade Nyerman. Um, you know, Bo Bartlett's absolutely more than capable of beating Max Muir, and Carter Starachi is more than capable of beating Michael Kemmer. You know, that throws wrenches into this, right? And then it kind of, you know, then you're looking at 125, then you're looking at 197, then you're looking at 285. Um, and that's just, you know, that, that stretch of five matches. I'm not saying Iowa needs to win all five. Um, it would help if they did. If they only win four, the margin for error shrinks. If they only win three, um, things probably get a little hairy from there moving forward. So I know that that's kind of what I'm looking at moving in. Um, you know, I, don't, I, I, I hopefully that kind of gives you guys a little bit of clarity about the lens through which I'm going to view this duel. Um, you know, I'm, I'm barring something unforeseen. I'm assuming we're probably going to start at 125. So you know, it could set it up for another pretty wild finish, right? If things get a little haywacky, and then you're looking at you know 84, 97 heavyweight that might decide the duel again. Um, you know, this could be a lot of fun. This could be pretty electric, and and who knows how this duel is ultimately gonna gonna pan out. So um, I know I'm excited for it. I hope you guys can kind of sense that a little bit in my uh, in my voice. Um, been having uh, been battling a scratchy throat. Nothing super serious um, over the course of the week, but uh, you know we're gonna get some we're gonna get some good drugs so that we can get to Carver on Friday and watch uh, what's gonna be a pretty epic duel. So yeah, those are kind of my thoughts just on the duel, just kind of looking at the probables and, and looking at the potential matchups. Um, hopefully that kind of you know gives you guys maybe a frame of mind of, of maybe what to expect going in. Um, again, duel starts at 8 p.m. Central Time. I'm gonna be live on Big Ten Network. I'm gonna be in the building. Um, we're gonna have a team of reporters there. Um, um, you know, to provide you guys some, you know, obviously the top notch covers, the best covers that we can um, possibly provide you. And, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, regardless of, of what team you guys root for and regardless of what, um, you know, got, how you guys feel about the duel going in, how you feel about either teams, I hope you just guys, I hope you guys can just kind of strap in, relax and, and just enjoy it, right? Nobody's going to tell you how to be a fan. Nobody should tell you how to be a fan, but um, there's going to be a lot of really good, really good wrestling in the building on Friday night. And, um, you know, I hope you guys are able to appreciate the amount of talent that is going to be on the mat.
All right, let's get to the fun stuff today. Um, lots of interviews coming up, like I said, at the top of the show. Um, we got Iowa coach Tom Brands, a couple of Iowa wrestlers, Jacob Warner and Michael Kemmer. And we also got a hold of some audio from Kale Sanderson as well as Drew Hildebrandt, two guys that uh, offered up their time to the media earlier this week. So we will go to that now. We'll start with Tom, Warner, and Kemmer. We'll go back to back to back like that, and then we'll circle back and, and hit Kale Sanderson and Drew Hildebrandt. So hope you guys enjoy um, a couple of fun moments um i thought especially on the iowa side um kind of shows me that those guys are are loose and and ready for friday so uh, we'll go to that now and i will see you guys on the other side uh 8 15 on friday night btn the 8 15 is an official start that duel is sold out uh when we got tom here right now and after tom we'll have kemmerer and jacob warner not necessarily in that order and when they're done, I'll throw out a couple more notes regarding uh, Friday parking credentials. So all that being said, it's 2.15. We'll start with a question, Tom, from Mike Finn of Win Magazine. Hi, Tom. Hope you're doing well. Hey, uh, Tom, I know this is a big meet coming up here, but it usually pales in comparison to what happens in the postseason, the Big Tens and NCAAs. What do you get out of these regular season meetings with so-called rivals that would be, you'd be meeting in the postseason? And are is there ever too many times that you you don't want to have to face them too much before you get to the postseason? Does that ever happen? Uh, I mean, whatever the path to your, you know, championship is, is you accept it. You get ready for each match individually. This particular match, it, it is important. It's important to our fans. It's important to the wrestling world. Um, that's That's what makes college wrestling great. It's not... Uh, it doesn't take a lot to figure out why college wrestling is the best wrestling show on earth. I mean, there's there's dual meets throughout the season. Uh, there's competitive teams. Um, there's cross-conference rival, rivalries, us and Oklahoma State. Um, and then there's the, the Big Ten Conference for us. And this is a big, you know, is it monumental? I don't know if you can be that dramatic. Um, but it's two programs that are after the same things, and it, it is important. It's important do, to do, stamp. Do you, do you learn anything from these? I mean, that helps you during the postseason? I think you learn every time out. I think you learn every day. I think you learn um, if your approach is to be open-minded. I think you can learn a lot about yourself every day um, as an athlete, as, a, as anything, and you know, a, a graduate student trying to be the best architect you can be or whatever. I mean, that's just what high-minded elite people, that's how they think. It's it's not hard for me to uh, get up for something like this because maybe that's what we're used to doing. Uh, but I'll tell you what, our fans get up for it too. And the wrestling world in general will we'll be up for this as well. And I mean, even look at Columbus, Ohio. I mean, th- that was probably downplayed, but that was a sellout a month ago. And it doesn't matter how big that arena is. It was a sellout. It was standing room only. Um, and college wrestling is thriving. So, so you separate the two, two quite a bit then is what you're saying. I, I know they're important, but you regarding the importance, they're just two different things, apples and oranges, so to speak. Uh, what are you referring to as, as well? I mean, the dual. What what happens in the dual meet in the regular season, as opposed to what happens, say, against Penn State, Ohio State in the postseason. No, I mean, it's the next thing on the calendar. I mean, you've known me a long, long time, and you've heard me say that a lot, and that's really how simple it is. 
this is the next event on the calendar, um, and we got to be ready. And there's some big matches that, you know, there's a lot at stake in these matches when you look at all that's at stake. And, you know, seeding and, and, and those things and just being able to move forward, is it's, it's easier when you have success. And there's just a lot of reasons to go out there and, and do your job and shine. Um, the next question is from KJ Pilter of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Uh, Tom, whether it be the coaches or the athletes or the success of the two programs, what's the uh, biggest element that makes this such a marquee duel between the two? I think that Penn State has had a lot of success. Uh, that's an understatement. Um, I think that when you have two teams that are after the same thing and the makeup of, I know what our team's made up of, our individuals, uh, they're a competitive group of guys that are pulling for each other. And when you have that in your wrestling room and you see it every day, it's important. And it, that's not an understatement. That's not an overstatement. Uh, this is college athletics at the highest level. The next question from Darren Miller. Coach, what, what do you remember most about uh, the Hall-Kemmerer match when, when Mike you know, had, had that win in, in Carver-Hawkeye? What, what sticks out about that match to you? Uh, there was a lot of back and forth early. We came off our back really early. Um, for a no points, there was no control there. Um, a lot of back and forth, and we stayed in there. We were very resilient. We were tough, putting tough rides on guys and, and making them pay when, you know, if the you know if, if that match is it, it could go different if all of a sudden Hall comes off the bottom in the third period. And going down the stretch, that's where you got to be toughest. Great example of of getting tougher as the match went on. The next question from Mike Finn. Um, hey, Tom, I want to just ask you about Alex Marinelli, and I'm sure you feel he'll be okay, but some people are wondering, if is there something wrong? Is he is something he's not doing as opposed to what he did to, say, three or four years ago? Is What are, you, what are your thoughts about Alex right now? Uh, he's the same guy I know. He's a year older than he was a year ago. Um, his... I mean, his teammates will tell you the same thing. He'll tell you the same thing. Here's the thing. I don't know what you're reading online. I, I don't have any reference on what you're um, referring to yourself. I don't pay attention to a lot of that uh, nonsense. And, you know, here's the thing. He's got an opportunity to right a wrong. Um, you know, he hung on in a situation where that match was tight, and you don't hang on, and, and specifically in that position that he was hanging on in. Um, you know, those are, those are iffy. Those are coin flips. And he's not a coin flip guy. He's a guy that wrestles with a lot of energy, thrives when he's wrestling with a lot of energy, wants the pace high. And, you know, that's, that's the job that he's charged with. So, hey, go right the wrong, stud. And he's, he's on track. I, I don't know what you're referring to. You're, you're referring to something that I'm, I'm not aware of and don't necessarily care to be aware of. Um, there's a lot of, I'll, I'll tell you what, you want me to go off on a tangent, you know, we're, we're finding out that, that schools, schools pay social media personalities to make up stuff to, you know, whatever, to cause disruption. 
And, and that's why you don't pay any attention to that stuff. Um, and so that's a, your question is great. And I get to segue, segue to a point that, you know what? These guys waste a lot of time, man. I love it. I love I, it. I guess I was curious, is Alex opening up as much as he had in the past? I don't, we'll see. We'll see if he writes the wrong. How's that? We'll see if Bergie can, we'll see if Bergie can take him out. We'll see about that. How's that? Tom, the next question from Cody Goodwin. Um, wanted to ask you about Jacob Warner because in, in a lot of these big duels over the course of his career, he, he has, he tends to come through. What is it about these, these bigger duels and these more intense matchups um, that kind of brings out the best of Jacob Warner? He is a competitor. Um, it's important to him to have success. He's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve, whatever. Uh, you've seen how loose he is on the bench. And he's the same when things don't go his way. He's hard on himself in a good way uh, when he's analyzing how he can do better. And he doesn't carry it to like unhealthy depths, but um, he is accountable. And those are conversations that, you know, when he signed a letter of intent here, you know, those are conversations that, you know, the first time in the wrestling room with him, um, you saw that. You saw the competitiveness. You saw the accountability. Um, I've talked a lot about, you know, how he, you know, maybe approaches his season a little bit different or maybe that's just his makeup um, and those types of things. But we're... Uh, we're glad he's on our team, put it that way. Big match, big match coming up for him. The next question, Tom, from Scott Reister. Hi, Coach. Uh, the atmosphere, I imagine, is going to be incredible coming up. And uh, what kind of advantage do you think that gives your wrestlers when they have so much juice behind them from the home crowd there? Still got to do your job. Uh, our crowd and our administration and our coaches and our athletes in our program all demand the same standard of excellency, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. Uh, the bottom line is when it's your time to step on the mat, be ready, be smart, and make things go your way. And it's a, it's a funny thing to say, but that's really how simple it is. It's difficult to do. It's difficult to impose your will on an opponent, uh, but that's what it comes down to. It's you or the other guy. That's what's great about that's what's great about this sport. Tom, the next question from Ross Bartacek. If you like a home crowd, I would say do something that puts them in a frenzy. If you like that energy, and if you like a enemy crowd, then do something that makes them quiet. Next question from Ross. Tom, uh, you know you. Max seems like he's been wrestling really well, you know, this Big Ten conference slate. Um, and he came up really close to, you know, pulling out a, a pretty big win there in Ohio. You know, what do you kind of talk to him after, you know, he was so close to, to getting a win like that, you know, which would have probably, you know, been a really big resume builder. So what do you kind of tell him after a match like that and get him get him back? You know, for him, this, the simple thing is, is finishing the job. He's so close, like you say, uh, and he is wrestling well. Uh, just finish the job. And, you know, it's one of those things where maybe in my mind when I go back and I look and, 
you know, maybe there was a little bit of hanging on, you know, um, and just, you know, get rid of the guy and, you know, go on your feet or whatever. Um, it's not that simple all the time when you're in that, you know, cat chasing its tail scramble. Um, it sure is exciting. Uh, I like things a little bit more in our control. So that's what I would say is finish that job. It, it is similar to the, the camera question with Mark Hall, you know, a couple, couple of years ago is just finish the job, go down the stretch and get tough and get tougher and control it in a way that it makes the result go your way. Jacob Warner, the first question is from Cody Goodwin. I'll save my Bears questions for later, but um, I know we talked about this a little bit in, in December when we were down in Florida, but when it comes to these bigger duels, these higher intense duels, um, you tend to show your best wrestling. What is it about these atmospheres, these duels, these opponents that, you know, get you more hyped up than normal? Uh, there's more on the line, you know, um, they're big dual meets. It's not just wrestling for myself, wrestling for my team. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing is, uh, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to go over to the side of the bench and look at my guys and be like, Oh, I let you guys down. I want to be able to look over there and let them know that I did my part and, um, letting this team win and let this team succeed. And, uh, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. You know, it's a, we all have our job and we just have to go out there and execute it. And, um, when that happens and I'm thinking like that and, thinking about just doing my doing my best wrestling uh that's that's all i can ask for that's all i can really do so order the next question is from kj pilcher yeah jacob the last time uh this meet happened in in iowa city uh had a tremendous finish and you were a part of that what do you remember for from that last half of the meet and the way you guys were able to, to pull through and and also what do you remember about uh, Kemmerer's win over Mark Hall? Uh, that's funny you ask about Kemmer. I actually have never watched the match. Um, I've seen like the highlight of Kemmer like taking wow. him down at the end, but uh, I walked out there, I got ready, you know, back in the wrestling room and come down to get ready for my match. And uh, Tom like Tom like got in front of me, goes, "No, you're not coming out here." And I was like, "All right." And he took me. Assad and Cassiope back into a back room so we could kind of focus on ourselves, not get involved in the duel. So um, I actually didn't know Kemmer won that match until uh, there was a clock. So I knew the clock was like how much time was left on the clock, but I didn't know like the score, didn't know anything about it until the clock hit zero of the third period. And I asked Sammy Brooks to go out and like be like, hey, it's kind of loud out there. Like what's going on? And Brooks went out there and came back in was like, Kemmer just, Kemmer just put the hammer down on him and just beat Mark Hall. So, uh, yeah, I actually have never watched that match, so no offense to Kim. Um, but I, I didn't know what was going on, uh, which was good because I could focus on myself. You know, I don't have to focus on Kemmer because I know Kemmer's going to do his job. That's just the type of person he is. So uh, I was able to focus on myself a little bit more. And then as it came down to my match, I actually didn't know the team score going into it. Uh I just knew I needed to win. You know, I didn't know, like, if I won, if I would have lost that duel or that match, we would have lost the duel. I didn't know that. Um, but I, I just knew deep down that I needed to win. And uh, when you can go out there and kind of turn the blinders on and uh, take out that extra stuff, like, that's that's the best case. So, uh, yeah, that's what I remember. I remember being in the back room, not knowing what's going on. I could just hear the fans, though. Sounded like a sounded like a train was coming through, Carver. So, yeah. Uh, one last question. Uh, where'd you get the uh, gnarly shiner from? 
Uh, yeah, I got it from my Illinois match. Um, Matt Warbelowski, uh, when I was in on the single leg pulling him in, he tried that backflip and smoked me uh, in the eye. So I kind of thought I was going to go out there for a second. It kind of got me off guard, but uh, um, it's all good, though. He came up. He's a friend of mine. Obviously, he's from Illinois, so I've known him my whole life pretty much. So he came up. He's like, hey, man, like I didn't mean to knee you in the eye. I was just trying not to get taken down and we laughed about it after the match. So, Jacob, the next question is from Chris Warner. Hey, Jacob. Yeah, uh, I have a two-parter. First, what have you seen from Max Dean on, on film? Obviously, it's going to be a big match on Friday. And second one, to you, why why is the Penn State-Iowa duel so just so special? Uh, I've watched Max Dean a little bit. Um, I'm not going to sit there and watch every match of his. You know, I know he just wrestled uh, – Brucky and beat him in overtime uh, by getting a hard right out in the third. And I know he just lost to Caffey last weekend. Um, I know he's tough. I know he stays in there and he keeps coming. Um, he's kind of always been like that. Uh, the one match I remember specifically was him and Wilkie at the Nationals. Wilkie lost to him right before I actually lost in the second round of Nationals my first year. So that's kind of what sticks out the most to me. Um, but watching him, I know he comes. I know he's a hard wrestler. Um, and that's all I can ask for, right? I don't want somebody that's going to sit there and and not wrestle me. You know, I'm, I'm happy uh, that he's going to go out there wrestle me. It's going to be a good match. But um, the duel, the duel itself, um, it's big because there's a lot of not saying hatred, not saying bad blood, but there's a lot of tensity or uh, friction there. You know, obviously they want to win, we want to win, and there's not very many teams that can say that they go out to win the nationals every single year. And I can honestly say that them and us. We're two of the teams that go out there and legitimately, even if we have no shot in hell, which isn't the case ever for us or in them, um, we still expect ourselves to win at the highest level and expect to win a national title. So I think that's what uh, brings everything uh, so together and makes this duel great is because they want to win and we want to win. And it's just, we just got to get it done. Anything else for Warner? All right, Jacob, good luck on Friday. Thanks for your time. Thanks. Cody, we'll be looking out for the Bears hire, so we'll talk. You got it. Michael Kemmer slides in. Michael, will you ever watch Jacob Warner's match again? What's that? Will you ever watch a Warner match ever again? That's so disrespectful. I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't wrong, man. I remember it much differently. Michael Kemmer joins us, 174-pounder, three-time All-American. First question from Michael is from Darren Miller. Can't hear you, Miller. Unless that's just me, we'll start with K.J. Pilcher and come back to Darren Miller. Go ahead, K.J. Sure. Uh, This dual uh, rivalry is create a lot of uh, memorable moments. Um, you know, what? do you ever go back and, and watch your match with uh, Mark Hall there at uh, uh, Carver? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I really don't. I mean, I've seen, I mean, clips will get put out there every once in a while. And, um, but it's kind of one of those things that, you know, it was a great moment. It's a great memory that's never going to be taken away. You know, it happened. And then just kind of the way we are as athletes, we're, kind of forward looking looking to the next thing and that's a great memory that I'll have and that a lot of people around me have but it's kind of one of those things that's in the past and kind of moving on uh at the time did you ever feel how special of a moment it really was you know uh 
you know, with the crowd erupting the way it did, you know, do you, do you get that perspective? Yeah, I think it's a little bit different when you're actually in the moment, but I do remember um, at the end of the match really feeling that energy, finishing the match on top and kind of hits you a little bit and, and coming off the mat and all my teammates being there supporting me, that kind of thing. Uh, definitely definitely was a different experience. It was pretty awesome, um, but but yeah. This might test your memory just a little bit, but one of the other special moments in this duel happened at Penn State with Marinelli and Vincenzo Joseph, and that was the match right after your win uh, where Marinelli won uh, late. Do you remember uh, kind of how that played out and, and what it was like to see him uh, knock off Joseph in that duel? Yeah, I think that was the first time those two met, and they had ended up having an awesome rivalry. And I just remember being in the back tunnel there at the Bryce Jordan Center, and I was watching on TV, and they got in some that big exchange. Marinelli put him on his back, and I was like, dang, that was it was pretty crazy. And then I just remember seeing him in the tunnel afterwards, and he was pumped up, and it's cool. I mean, it's like it's like any any of these other matches. You know, you get these good memories, and um, you know, you can just kind of put yourself there and think about it. And it was that was an awesome experience. Michael, the next question from Cody Goodwin. Um, from your perspective, what makes this particular duel, this particular rivalry between these two particular programs so special? Yeah, I think a lot of it goes back to what Warner said about two teams that pride themselves on chasing that national title every single year. And I mean, you look at the past 15 years or whatever, it's pretty much been Penn State and Iowa, and there's been other teams in there for sure, and you, you can't disrespect those other teams, but um, strong rivalry, two areas. That I've gotten the privilege to be from Pennsylvania and then be out in Iowa now for seven years, and honestly, it's two extreme hotbeds of the sport, uh, areas where they love wrestling, super knowledgeable about the sport. So you combine all that with the success of the programs and you know the coaching staffs and everything, it just it just makes it an awesome rivalry. Next question, Kemmerer, is from Mike Finn. Um, Michael, unfortunately, I have to ask you, it's sort of a tough time last year, the postseason against Tarachi. Can you talk about the two matches you had with him at the Big Tens and then the NCAAs? What might have been different? And is it good or bad to wrestle many guys many times before the postseason? Yeah, um, looking at those two matches, first match, got to my scores. Um, got a couple takedowns there, some near fall in the first match, second match. Didn't get to my offense as much and dropped that match. And obviously, you know, if you want to win matches, you have to go out and score points. And sometimes matches go a certain way and, um, you know, you, you build from it. And so I, I always like wrestling the best guys. He's a tough opponent. He's a worthy opponent. And it's exciting to me. And, you know, we wrestle now. We wrestle Big Tens, Nationals maybe. You know, you can't predict all that. But um, I love wrestling worthy opponents, so it's exciting. Do you ever wrestle them, though, different, though, when you wrestle them later on in the year as opposed to, like, say, right now? Um, I think just maybe the more familiarity changes things, I would say. You, know, you can kind of – you wrestle a match and then you kind of get in certain positions and then you uh, expect certain things the next time out. And you just kind of keep keep adjusting, adapting, and, you know, the, the principle of wrestling hard the whole match and looking to score points stays the same, but maybe just a little bit different tactical things. Thank you, Mike. Michael, the next question from Darren Miller. All right, again, can you hear me? Yeah, man. Welcome. All right. Uh, Michael, I know 
I was going to ask this earlier, and we've already talked about the Hall match, but of your 90-plus wins in your career, that's got to rank right up there, wouldn't you say, as one of your top victories? Yeah, it was an awesome win. I mean, I think, you know, even coming to Carver-Hawkeye when I was younger and, and watching, I, I remember watching Iowa and Penn State matches a long time ago and when, when Ramos got a pin there and, and all those crazy moments. And it was cool to experience one of those moments, be a part of one of those moments. And, you know, as, as awesome as it is, like I said, you know, I can't I can't bring that moment with me Friday. You know, that that's kind of in the past now. So for me, it's this is a new match and I'm going to have to go out and, earn every point just like every other time out Kemmer the next question from Austin Hansen. hey Michael can you walk us through you know your last match against Tarachi to now and did you know that bitter taste from the NCAA finals last year play a role at all in your decision to come back and you know maybe get a rematch against Tarachi down the road yeah I think definitely I'm falling short of my goal I want to be a national champion I didn't did not achieve that so that that plays a part in wanting to come back and wanting to finish on top and to keep it even simpler than that you know it's just getting better every day it's a very simple simple mindset but that's kind of how I look at it and every day this year has been about getting better and experiencing that growth and this match Friday is going to be on that same path and it's it's a tough opponent and it's a tough team and we're excited for that and it's all part of that journey. Final question, Kemmer, is from Drew Best. Hey, Michael. Um, so basically my question is more about um, your history with this rivalry and has your perspective ever changed from maybe your first duel in this rivalry as opposed to this one coming up this weekend? Yeah, I think you just maybe get a little bit more of that wisdom from from those experiences we've had. And it's a tough team. And I've been in dual meets where we've come out on top and dual meets where they've come out on top. And um, you use those experiences, you know your opponent. And um, and then from there, you just go out and you wrestle and you compete. And, you know, you have faith that the other guys in the lineup are going to do the same thing. And, you know, put all that aside, it's it's pretty much that simple. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this week's Penn State Wrestling Media Zoom. Head coach Cale Sanderson has joined us, and shortly after him, we'll get with 125-pounder Drew Hildebrandt, and uh, we'll use the hand-up function, and we can go ahead and get started here since we got a lot of people online. Tanya and Luce, get us started. Questions for Cale. Hey, I'm just curious to know like, your thoughts and kind of the importance of like your roster as a whole going throughout the duration of the season. I mean, you kind of know what you've got and like your returning national champions, what guys like Drew and Brady and Greg mean to the team going down the stretch? Oh, Kale, you're muted. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's a team, it's a team sport here and, and uh, we need 10 guys. Uh, the most we can get out of 10 guys if we want to compete for national championship. Um, you know, we saw that last year. So, yeah, we're just uh, just trying to get better at every weight as we move along this season here. And, and everybody's obviously important as we uh, as we compete in dual meets, but also Big Ten and Nationals. Ben Surface. Cal Drew Hildebrandt's a guy who stepped into your locker room not too long ago. Um, and has kind of solidified that 125 spot. How has he become a leader for you guys so far? Well, I think I think leadership is just being consistent and, um, you know, just basically sharing your passion for what you're doing with the rest of the squad. And just by being yourself, I think he's a 
he's a great example of those, those things. Um, just, just very consistent and uh, obviously a very good wrestler, but just gives a great effort every, every time and is going to be himself regardless of the, the circumstances or situation. So um, yeah, he's been uh, very valuable to us and, and it's just a fun guy to have around and to have on the team. Greg Pickle. Hey, Kale, thanks for your time this morning. Yep. Uh, what'd you learn about uh, your situation at 57 uh, over the weekend and where do you think things could go at that weight from here? Uh, we're still playing with that. I think, you know, we have uh, guys with potential that are just kind of right uh, on, on the, the verge or the cusp of just kind of uh, being a, a point scorer there, uh, you know, lo losing some close matches, a lot of skill though, uh, and talent, just got to figure out how to, you know, finish shots and, and do those little things that could put them over the top. But yeah, we're still, still playing with that weight class and, uh, you know, nothing's really changed there. Jim Carlson. Hey, Kale. Um, just guessing here, but maybe only three of your guys have been in Carver. Just wondering what do you tell them this week about the atmosphere, the noise, you know, the intensity they'll be facing there? Uh, you know, we wrestle in, in uh, a lot of uh, venues around the country. Um, Rec Hall, one of them, you know, the Jordan Center being one. So, um, yeah, we're just going to going to compete. You know, we're not worried about the kind of any any outside distractions. Mike Finn. Uh, good morning, Cal. As important as this weekend is for schools and stuff, it's the Big Tens and the NCAA's that really matter the most for school. What do your wrestlers get out of these regular season meetings? Is it good to see them a lot before the postseason? What's the good? What's the bad? Does it depend on the wrestler? I, I think it's just the, the way things are, right? You you know, the, the dual meets are a lot of fun to, you know, go in and wrestle, you know, the, the other the other teams in the conference and the nation um, at their home venue or our home venue. And, and it's just uh, that's exciting stuff. And then also seeing uh, kids that you've got to beat if you want to be a national champion down the road. So I think it's just just positive all around. You know, we're um, we're just just competing. And, you know, this weekend, just like every other match, you know, you always want to win. You always want to wrestle great. But, you know, it's more important to to um, to just kind of see where you're at and and uh, and then continue to improve. You know, and that's something that we know I was really good at kind of showing you what you need to do better and improve on improve on. And so, um, you know, that that's would be the game plan this year too. you know, wrestle, wrestle great on Friday, but just continue to wrestle better as the season goes along. Thanks, Kyle. And you loose. Yeah, after his big win on Friday, I mean, it really looks like Greg is kind of taking the next step this season. I mean, obviously there's the health factor, but is there anything else that has really kind of led to him really looking great this season? Well, I think he's uh, he's just more confident. You know, I mean, everyone knows the story from last year where he was uh, he was literally off the mat for at least six weeks, and he got cleared to wrestle the day of the Maryland match, and he being the competitor that he is you know, wanted to compete. And then the, you know, the big 10 was the following weekend, or maybe it was a week and a half after that or something, but it wasn't, there wasn't really time to, you know, get him into, into killer shape. It was just kind of getting him ready to, to compete at that point. And he still was able to be an all American. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Greg's just, uh, he's more confident this year, but just a, he's a, he's a tough kid and he's a good wrestler. And I think we're seeing that he's, 
Um, I mean, he's just getting better in each match. You know, he's, he's, he's solid in, in all three positions and, and, uh, and that's kind of the name of the game is, is especially for him is just improve, improve every time he steps out on the mat. And I think he's been doing that. Ben surface. Kale, I think the last time Drew talked to us, he said he was a little bit one of the older guys and not many people, he wasn't sure if a ton of people knew that. Have any of the younger guys kind of gravitated towards him or has he sought out some of the younger guys at some of the lower weight classes to kind of mentor them and show them the ropes a little bit more? Uh, I mean, that might be a question for him, but I think he's, I mean, he's done a great job. I know a lot of our, our kids or other guys in the program around those weight classes are definitely wanting to train with him and work out with him. I know Robbie Howard, I've heard him say a few times, he, you know, he wants to wrestle with Drew every chance he gets, uh, you know, kind of a thing. And, um, but, but yeah, I think he's been, you know, just not just a boost, obviously for our team this year, but, but also just a great training partner, you know, just a great role model in, in just the way he prepares and, and um, just the energy that he brings, the consistency, like I mentioned before. And uh, I mean, I, that's really what it, what it is, you know, it's just, just being consistent, you know, doing the right things in and out of the classroom or, or in and out of the wrestling room and, and all those, uh, you know, moments in between. So, and he does all those things. So yeah, he's been a great blessing for, you know, for our team, obviously competitively, but also just as a, as a, just as a role model. Jim Carlson. Hey, uh, Drew lost a, a close bout to Suriano, you know, a guy never likes to lose, but did that bout in any way help set the tone for the rest of the match at, at Michigan? And do you expect his match with Ayala this week to, to maybe do the same thing? Well, I, I think that's just the nature of any dual meet. You're, you know, you, you can set the tone, right, uh, every match, but you can also um, change the, the, you know, that energy uh, if you're the next guy up. So, um, you know, that's one of the, you know, the fun parts of, about wrestling or any, any kind of team sport is, you know, momentum, momentum can be a thing if you allow it to be, you know, we're not, uh, that's not something we really talk a lot about. You know, I think it's each guy's job up and down the lineup to kind of go out there and do their own thing, regardless of what's happened before them, good or bad. Um, but yeah, I think having a, uh, you know, a guy like Drew to start us off is, is a huge plus for us, right? I mean, we've been, unfortunately, the last few years, you know, we, we've kind of gotten used to being down points, you know, right out of the, right out of the gate. Um, and our guys have responded well, um, but, but yeah, having, having a, you know, title contender in there, like Drew, it's, it's exciting. Andrew Clay. Hey coach, there's so much talk about how good this team is and, and being ready to win a national championship. Do you find it important to try to keep those, uh, those headlines and those conversations out of the locker room? Yeah, we don't really talk about that stuff much. You know, we're just trying to help each individual just get get as good as they can be, right? I mean, um, you know, kids kids want to win um, naturally when they're two years old, right? And so it's not something that you know we need to motivate them or fire them up. You know, it's more about just making sure they're prepared and then kind of letting them go do their thing. Canyon loose. Yeah, Kay, we haven't really had much of a chance to talk to Brady yet. So I'm kind of wondering if he shared with you like his expectations for the season, kind of his goals since he came back to the program. Well, yeah, I think uh, he, you know, he had, he has first and foremost, obviously he has eligibility and he felt really good and feels healthy and he wants to just see what he can do. You know, I think if you've watched him over the last few years, you know, he has the ability to go, go deep into the tournament. He has 
the, the ability and, and uh, potential to win. I think that's his goal. I think that's everybody's goal. Um, but, but yeah, it's just one match at a time. You'll have to get better every match and, and be ready to go in March right now. Greg Pickle. Coach, staying on uh, on Brady, was it a difficult decision between 57 and 65, or was it kind of a no-brainer once you got him on campus and saw where he was at? Um, I think, you know, that was that's his decision. I think, uh, you know, we support our guys and and uh, what they want to do. And I think it's uh, I think it's the right thing. You know, I think with his circumstances and uh, what he's he's, you know, dealt with in the past that, uh, you know, he's 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 big and strong enough to be at 65. And and uh, I think it's I think it's the right decision. So, um, yeah, we support him 100 percent, obviously, in that. And and um, and yeah, we're just uh, glad to glad to have him back. He's a, he's a good dude. Andrew Clay. Coach Sean McDermott talked a lot last week at length about that experience he had on campus back in 2019. Do you remember much about that day when he came to watch practice? Is there anything you learned from Coach McDermott? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, he was he was really impressive. You know, I think he's definitely, you know, our kind of guy in the way that he runs his program. And, um, you know, he, he obviously has a, a wrestling background. That's, you know, how I met him. But uh, just the whole way he came in here, uh, you know, he he – text me or whatever and say, Hey, I'm here. I'm like, oh, okay, where are you at? And he was just outside rec hall, he had his hat down, uh, no entourage. He came in by himself, you know, um, would have been happy uh, just to sit there and listen and watch. Um, obviously we were more than happy and eager to, uh, you know, we we're, we we're trying to learn from him. So we we're asking him questions too at the same time. And then when he sat in the room, he was um, just very gracious to the guys and just, uh, you can just tell he's just a humble guy. I think that's, but obviously a fierce competitor. And I, I think that's uh, why they've been so successful. And that I think that's the consistent success too. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was cool. You know, our guys, obviously, uh, you know, we played dodgeball that day. And I think that was one of the more intense games we've ever had because I, the, the team was out there trying out for the bills that day, you know, but it was, uh, it was good. Yeah. He's, he's a uh, very impressive guy, and it's, it's uh, no surprise to see them be as successful as they've been. All right, two more for Kale. J.P. Pearson. Hi, Coach. I was wondering if you could just give us your reactions and observations of the titanic battle between Miles Amin and Aaron Brooks on Friday night. What did you see and what did you observe? I saw the same things you guys did. It's just a great match and, and um, something that I think Aaron and Everyone else is looking forward to um, seeing the same thing uh, again. I think Aaron can make some adjustments. Obviously, I'm sure they are going to make some adjustments, and that's what makes uh, competition and, uh, you know, fun. So, um, yeah, but great battles. I mean, Aaron's offense and defense um, was really uh, just top-notch, you know. Some of those positions they were in is, were, were world-class positions and uh, world-class effort. So, um, great matchup. And last one for Kale, Tanya and Luce, close us out. Yeah, Kale. I mean, we've talked to you a lot about, like, getting bonus points this season and being aggressive on the mat out there. At what point, like, when you're facing a team like Iowa or Michigan, are you just, like, okay with getting the win, or is it always, like, a try to go out there and get the max number of points mentality no matter who you're facing? Well, it's up to each individual, right? I mean, they're going to approach the match the way they choose. Um, everyone's a little bit different. Um, you know, as a competitor – 
I think at least the way I think about it is you're, you're thinking about the next match and the next match and the next match, not the one you're in right now. So really the score isn't as important as just trying to make your opponent not want to wrestle you again, or, you know, letting them know there's no easy points, you know, that kind of thing. You know, if you can beat somebody by eight points, you should beat them by eight points, you know, um, obviously thinking about the team, but there's a lot of different uh, reasons why you would um, just be the best you can be every time, you know, you're not, you don't hold back, right. Kind of a thing. But, but like I said, it's up to each individual and, and how they're going to approach the match and the way they've approached their, the, these, you know, matches, their whole careers, their whole lives. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'd rather, and I think I've said this before. I mean, we, we're going to get more out of a, a 10, nine loss um, a lot of times than, than a two, one win. And, you know, depending on the time of the year here at the nationals, we'll take that two, one win all day, obviously, but, um, but we just want to keep getting better and we want to practice scoring points, practice having a mindset that's going to help them be successful in the biggest moments. And that's just consistency, right? You want to be great in a big match. You got to be great in every match and every practice. So, yeah, I think that's uh, just, it is what it is. I think there's no secrets there. I mean, I'm sure every coach is uh, kind of preaching and talking about those same things. All right. All right, Kale. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Cool. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you later today, and we'll bring in uh, Drew Hildebrandt now. Get him in, and there he is. Hi, Drew. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. All right, so let's get started with questions for Drew. Jim Carlson, get us started. Hey, Drew. Uh, what would you say that you learned from the Suriano match that will help you moving forward through the Big Ten schedule and postseason? Uh, I just think my mindset approaching matches. You know, I got to really start to get my offense going more and, and, you know, compete and want to score more points. And, you know, knowing I'm, 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 I'm that guy, you know, I, I can win a national title. So. Canyon loose. Sorry, I was on the wrong tether. Drew, I'm just kind of looking at Penn State's roster and seeing your teammates like Aaron and Roman and Nick, how do you view yourself as like equally as important, especially when you're going into like nationals and big tens, as far as your ability to score points for this team? Yeah, I mean, I, I basically, you know, I came back to uh, win a national title and to help this team. And so I just view, you know, every every win I get or every bonus point I get is a, is a benefit to this team. And I'm just trying to, you know, help them maybe learn some things on the way. Mike Finn. Oh, hi, Drew. Uh, I know a lot of the Penn State writers know how you show, you ended up State College. Would you remind, remind, remind me how it is that you ended up there? And the fact that you are one of the veteran wrestlers in the sport facing a true freshman, does it make you think about your career where you were back then? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess I'll start with how I, I kind of ended up at State College. I was kind of, um, you know, a little burnt out on the sport and thought I was done. So I, you know, decided to, you know, be done. And then I started missing it a little bit, decided to try a new approach, just a new school. And, uh, you know, what, what, what a great place to reignite your love for a sport and your passion for a sport. As for like a true freshman thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great career. You know, uh, it goes really quick uh, in terms of like how I, how I see it as him. I mean, I, I'm sure he just sees it as another match and that's kind of all it is. It's just wrestling at the end of the day. Thanks. And surface. Drew, you look like you kind of stepped into the, the roster here seamlessly into the starting lineup. Do you view yourself as a leader or what do you view your role on the team as? Um, you know, I think I, I think we all learn equally from each other. And I think, you know, when when you see someone who's young, uh, 
or someone who's, you know, having a bad day or something, I like to, you know, talk to them and, and understand where their mindset is and help them through that situation. But I think everyone on the team does that. You know, I think we got a bunch of bunch of beasts on our team who just are good people as well. So I guess that's where I see myself as. JP Pearson. Uh, Drew, I was wondering if you could, um, if you would mind sharing with us uh, some of the different feels that you get from uh, Robbie Howard versus Roman Bravo Young. Yeah, well, they're both really, really quick. Um, I feel like Roman's a little longer, but, you know, not too specific. They're both really good wrestlers. Uh, Roman's got pretty good pressure, and Robbie's just like an animal. So they're both real fun to wrestle. It's, it's exciting, a lot, of, a lot of flurries. I'm sure we look like, you know, cats flying around in, the, in, in like a fight or something. So, Canyon Loose. Yeah, Drew, now that you've been here kind of for a little bit, I'm just wondering, like, how would you self-evaluate your time with the program so far and kind of what are your just expectations and thoughts going forward with the team? Yeah, I mean, I've been – this has been a great, great process for me. Um, like I said, it's helped, you know, I'm, I'm in love with the sport again. Right. And I, I constantly want to get better and not just that, but I think, uh, you know, I think Kale's real good at, at setting a tone and reminding you why you're doing things and also, you know, keeping a good positive energy, whether that be on or off the mat. And so overall, I just think so far this program's helped me become a better person. Andrew Clay. Drew, a lot of people talk about how this team seems to be destined for a championship. How do you guys manage that narrative? And do you guys try to block it out or embrace it? Uh, you know, even if they weren't saying we were supposed to win a title, I think we all, that's, you know, that's the expectation, right? We all want to win a title. We're all competitors. And so you always shoot for that first spot. Um, we personally don't really try to look at stuff like that. I mean, at least me personally, maybe some of the guys do, but I, I highly doubt that, you know, we just, we just take every day like it's the same and, train hard and, and compete hard. And surface. Drew, I don't know if you heard, but Kale was telling us that Robbie Howard's a guy that, you know, he's heard say that he tries to wrestle with you and learn from you whenever he has a chance. How does that make you feel knowing that, you know, a young wrestler who's got an extremely bright future ahead of him is seeking you out for advice? Yeah. I mean, that, that shows what a, what a good athlete and what a good person he is, you know, that he's, he's, seeking that out at such a young age. I know that's hard for a lot of guys to, to uh, think and do, but yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. You know, I, I love to show what I have and I got some tricks that I like to show and it, it means a lot. So. JP Pearson. I was wondering if you could tell us uh, when was the last time that you actually rolled around and wrestled with your sister and what it was like uh, wrestling with her growing up. I'm trying to think the last time I rolled around with her was probably I think she had a training camp right before it was probably July. I rolled with her right before the Olympics and, you know, growing up with her, it's just like uh, growing up with any family member, I guess you just always got their back. Um, sometimes you fight them, but you always, you always have their back and there's drama and, but, but, you know, you love them and you will always, always be with them. So. Canyon loose. Yeah, Drew, I just want to hear your thoughts on your match with Nick Soriano. And I mean, obviously you never go into a match like thinking, oh, I just don't want to lose here. Or like, I just want to like lose by a little bit. But like, how do you handle a match where a guy above you is kind of regarded as, I don't know, he's just, I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to figure out a way to put this. I mean, he just was favored to win going in. So how do you kind of manage that from a mental standpoint? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a stud. That was my first time wrestling him. So I'm, wasn't sure what to expect. Um, 
you know, I think that's one thing I got to work on personally. And I, I think that match helped me work on it is, is going in there thinking I'm the favorite and going in there, getting to my stuff rather than, you know, just trying to steal one late. And um, so, I mean, I, to your point, I guess I, I need to work on that more and uh, just, you know, thinking I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy, you know, so that's kind of how I, I'm going to approach my next matches. Jim Carlson. Hey, Drew, are you looking forward to the atmosphere you're going to be walking into on Friday night? And, and can you guys, you know, plan on feeding off of that as well? Yeah, I mean, the the whole Big Ten experience for me has been has been amazing. Um, the Michigan duel was cool. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll just feed off each other and, you, you know, compete as hard as we can. And when the guys see that, you know, they want to compete as hard as they can. So. And last one, Mike Finn. Uh, Drew, this uh, duel coming up, all your Big Ten regular season duels are just basic previews, what happens in the in the postseason. What's it like facing a guy several times during during a regular season then meet him in the postseason? Do you learn anything from these regular season matchups? Uh, you know, me personally, since I kind of had a long layoff, I'm, I'm really enjoying these these regular season matchups. They kind of, you, you know, you see them as practice till March, I guess. And, you know, I feel like I'm building off each match. And so, you know, when March comes, I'll, I'll be the best version of me. That was a lot, but I appreciate you guys um, tuning in, if you, especially if you're still tuned in this far. It's always kind of fun to, you know, for big duels like this to present, you know, both sides, just kind of give you guys a feeling about, you know, how both teams and how both coaches and a handful of wrestlers feel coming into a big hyped up duel like this. You know, I know that we as wrestling fans get super, super excited about duels like this, but um, always fun to kind of hear from both sides. Um, just kind of see how they're feeling coming into a super hyped up matchup like this. If you made it this far, hopefully you'll come just a little bit further through the end of today's show because I got a really fun conversation to cap today's show. Um, and that is with a handful of Big Ten Network producers, Kevin Ritchie and Bill Friedman. Um, the masterminds behind the newest wrestling documentary from Big Ten Network, the big story called The Brands Brothers. Um, this uh, this hour-long documentary is going to air after the Iowa-Penn State duel on Friday night. So if you're going to be in the building, be sure to set your DVRs. If you are watching um, from home, don't flip away as soon as the duel is over um, because, guys, this documentary is very, very, very cool. It chronicles the wrestling story of Tom and Terry Brands from their upbringing and wrestling beginnings in Sheldon, Iowa, um, to their tremendous careers as Iowa Hawkeye wrestlers to their uh, uh, per Olympic pursuits right in 1996 and in 2000 and their ongoing coaching stints at the University of Iowa. Big Ten Network talked with Tom and Terry, their wives, um, Dan Gable, Oklahoma State coach John Smith, Ohio State coach Tom Ryan, talked with Andy Hamilton, even talked with your boy for this fantastic story. Um, just kind of touches on their polarizing careers as athletes, as coaches, and also their impact on the sport of wrestling as a whole. So, um you know, I got to obviously do a little bit of work with uh, with Kevin Ritchie and, and Bill Friedman on this, but I was able to kind of get them on the horn earlier this week just to chat with them just about putting this story together, the idea behind wanting to do a story on Tom and Terry brands. And um, it was a really fun conversation, really enlightening conversation, just kind of about their storytelling process. Um, and also just, you know, what did they learn along the way, right? It's They got a really um, in-depth, behind-the-scenes look um, with Tom and Terry. Um, you know, lots of great stories are littered throughout this documentary. Um, I'm not going to give any spoilers. And, and through our interview, um, you know, we, we offered not to give a lot of spoilers because I do really want you guys to see it. Um, 
Um, the one spoiler alert I will give is that I have seen it, um, and guys, it's spectacular. So um, again, um, if you are in the building for the duel on Friday night, set your DVRs. If you are watching from home, don't click away as soon as the duel is over um, because this documentary is one that you're definitely going to want to see, whether you're an Iowa fan, whether you're a wrestling fan, or just maybe a fringe fan on both sides. Um, this is a story I think you guys are definitely going to want to see, and I, and I think it'll be very enlightening. So I'm um, really excited for you guys to listen to this conversation up next. We will go to that now, and that'll be the end of today's show. So appreciate it again if you guys have made it this far. It's kind of a longer show than normal, but um, hopefully absolutely worth your time. So thanks again for uh, listening this far, and I will see you guys on the other side. Here with Kevin Ritchie and Bill Friedman. Am I pronouncing that right? Thumbs up. Um, from the Big Ten Network, um, you guys have a documentary on Tom and Terry Brands coming out Friday after the Big Iowa-Penn State duel. Um, not going to give spoilers, but I have seen it. It is phenomenal. Um, I was really curious about the, the, the storytelling aspect of you guys um, kind of putting this whole thing together, kind of how, where you guys got the idea, um, you know, the process of putting everything together, um, what you learned throughout the process of, of putting this story together. So I guess, I guess we can just kind of start from the top and, you know, whoever wants to take the lead, feel free. But wh where did you guys kind of get the idea to want to do something on Tom and Terry? Yeah, so I'll jump in. Um, I had directed the Alex and Eli film a couple of years back, and that was really my first experience uh, in wrestling and with the, the Brands brothers, specifically Tom. Um, and so meeting them and meeting Tom and spending some time around the program, I just got to know them a little bit better and, you know, getting immersed in that culture. And they're awesome. Uh, they were so cool to be around, especially when the camera's not on. And so I got to really know them a little bit. And so when I came home, I kind of just did some research on my own. I said, you know, a lot's been written about these guys throughout their careers from 96 to 2000, et cetera. And nobody's really told a full in-depth story about them, about both of them, I should say. And so I kind of, you know, talked to Bill about it. We talked to some of our executive team and I said, you know, I think they'd be great candidates for, for a big story down the line. And I kind of approached uh, Chris Brewer, the SID Iowa about it. And he said, you know, they would love to do it as well. So it was kind of a mutual thing that kind of happened and formed. And, you know, throughout last summer, we kind of had some talks and we kind of tried to plan out some dates and stuff like that around camps and, then all of a sudden this thing was just up and running and we, we met him up in Sheldon and spent some time with him. And again, like once the camera's off those guys, they're so cool to be around and, and they're just, they're so funny and they tell such good stories and jokes and stuff like that. When the camera's on, they kind of tense up a little bit, but yeah, that's kind of how it formed and our relationship just kind of blossomed from there. And we spent some time with them, you know, throughout training camps and camps and stuff like that. And then at some of the matches as well. So that's kind of the all encompassing thing of how we came to a relationship with Tom and Terry Brands. Yeah. And, and just to piggyback off of what Kevin was saying, um, you know, Kevin certainly deserves all the credit for pushing this. You know, he, uh, uh, from the moment he started working with, with Iowa and Alex and Eli, you know, he was, he just would come back from his shoots and be like, I, I got to tell you, Tom and Terry are really fascinating people. And, you know, I certainly felt that as, as a wrestling consumer, right. As someone that watches the matches and the, and their press conferences, they're, they're full of energy. Um, they're kind of one of a kind, maybe two of a kind, I guess, in this case. Um, and, you know, for us, wrestling is a big priority. And I think that's the other thing that's really important to remember about this is, you know, wrestling is a big growth sport for the Big Ten Network. And, you know, we have the nation's best wrestling conference by far. Um, you know, I counted today. I think we have 10 of the top 18 teams in the, in the most recent rankings. Um, and so, you know, every Friday night and, and some Saturdays and Sunday afternoons, we have great duels on our on our on our air. And I think as part of continuing to grow the interest is you got to get to know the people who are associated with these programs and where a better place to start 
than at a program like Iowa with, with um, you know, kind of wrestling icons like Tom and Terry Brands. Absolutely. And, and you guys both kind of hit on this a little bit, that just like the energy they bring and, and you know, who they are as people. And it's, it's cool to get them in small glimpses like that, because like a lot of my job is I get to see them, you know, as coaches, right? Like I don't get to see them as, you know, just kind of Tom and Terry, the dudes, like it's, you know, they, they are the high energy Hawkeye coaches, you know, in the corner at Carver Hawkeye arena, um, which kind of, I'm really curious, like what was your guys's perception of them going into this project? And then I guess a two-parter, what did you learn about them coming out? Like, what was like, what was that evolution like for you guys as you got to know them? Yeah. So for me, you know, in our early conversations, they're just very, they're business-like, you know, here's what we want to do. Here's, here's what we think would be good, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, our first kind of real thing was with them and Sheldon, you know, we went to their hometown, you'll see it in the film. And I was kind of intimidated going out there. I didn't know what to expect. I know, you know, are they going to, you know, try and throw me against the ground if they don't like me? I didn't know what to get it, you know, what to expect. And they were awesome. Um, you know, again, once you get them outside of maybe, you know, a wrestling mat format or outside of the wrestling room, they're just, you know, really humble guys, really down to earth guys. That was nothing I realized is just how humble they were. Even, you know, in Sheldon walking around their town, you know, they just, they didn't like the cameras on them because they didn't want the spotlight just in their own hometown. You know, people were kind of come up to them, taking pictures and stuff like that. And they just didn't like that because they're just humble guys to me that to, to them, they're just two guys from, from Sheldon and that's how they want to be perceived. And they didn't like that spotlight on them. Um, so yeah, so, so I was a little bit intimidated going into it. I just didn't know what to expect those guys. And, you know, you hear stories from people and I'm, I'm close with Mariah, you know, after doing the Alex Eli film and she said they're intense guys, but that's the biggest takeaway for me is just how humble and how down to earth they are. And, you know, spending time with, with, you know, their wives and their families and just really seeing that outside presence of Tom and Terry was really eye opening for me. It's just, they're, they're two goofy dads. I think that's what Jenny, Jenny had said is that they're just do, goofy dudes. And that's kind of the lasting in, in, impression that I got is just, they're everyday dudes. They're, they're really down to earth, really cool to be around. You know, Tom likes Kesha. I learned that. And he likes dancing to different songs. And that was cool to see. Cause again, you, you watch these matches, you see the fiery, the passion that they have. And then you go to their homes and he's sitting there dancing to Kesha with, you know, a glass of t uh, iced tea. So that was really cool to see. And that was kind of the transformation for me seeing that kind of progress throughout the whole film. Yeah. From my perspective, I, I'm not nearly as close to it as Kevin is, uh, you know, as he was in the field for, for production, but, just on the back end, you know, on, on more on, on more of the, the editorial side, uh, I was really, uh, some, you know, Tom and Terry are, are such, you know, I'll put it to you this way. They're, they're, they're not a lot of people whose press conferences I want to listen to, right? Like, you know, not because people aren't interesting, but like most coaches are, you know, they kind of give you the standard coach speak. Tom and Tom Brands, Terry Brands do not give you standard coach speak. They're like Charles Barkley. Like you want to hear what they say when you see them. But at the same time, like, I didn't know what goes, what's behind that. Right. And learning about their relationship with their father, learning about Sheldon and, and their friend, Randy, and, and the influence he's had in their lives, learning about the, 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 the kind of the juxtaposition of their Olympic experiences, which were both very different for both of them. Um, learning what other coaches thought of them, I thought was very interesting and how, even though there are some, some, you know, big rivalries with other teams that people understand that for the good of the sport, um, Tom and Terry brands, you know, always have wrestling first and top of mind. And I think that that's what came across to me. Um, you know, I didn't get the, the kind of one-on-one -on -one interaction. Maybe at some point I'll, I'll be blessed to meet Tom and Terry in person, but, um, but, but Kevin, Kevin's uh, thoughts on that are, are spot on as well. 
Absolutely. You guys, um, the film kind of, it'll, it'll take people through like their, their formative years, how they got into wrestling, high school, college. Um, you know, you guys touch on the, the different Olympic experiences, Tom in 96, Terry in 2000. Um, and then it, you know, it kind of settles in at the end with talking about their coaches and their evolution in, in that aspect. Um, again, no spoilers. I want people to like, really, I want people to tune in and watch this because it's, it's a spectacular, spectacular documentary. Um, as you, as you guys like pitch this idea and you are excited to kind of learn more about the brands brothers, like, do you, do you formulate an idea in your head before, like you go out to Sheldon and meet with them? Or do you have like some sort of idea of what you think it might look like, or how does the structure of the story change the more you guys get to know these guys? Yeah. I mean, I had general bullet points, you know, especially for my interviews and stuff like that, but there's just so much that I uncovered in, in just talking with them. You know, I would ask them a question and Tom and Terry both would just go off on tangents and, and just, you know, spill out things. I had no idea, you know, like just small stories. And, and there's a lot of stuff that's not in the film that, you know, just because we couldn't fit it all in. There were such good stories about how they would fight over chess pieces growing up and stuff like that. And, and, and checkers pieces and, and uh, monopoly and all this stuff. And so there's just all these little stories that would come up. Um, but kind of to go back to your question. Yeah, I had general bullet, bullet points of what I wanted to cover and they just kind of exploded all those into like just bigger and bigger things for me. Um, so we really took deep, deep dives into things, you know, like, you know, the relationship with their father and, the, and you know, the alcoholism that their, their father went through was just something that I knew, but they really explored it and went deep on it with us. And so we kind of explored that in the film. And so, um, yeah, like they just kind of blew it out of the water for me as far as, you know, things that we would cover and things that I unearthed and talking to them and how honest they both were in their interviews, you know, they, Tom, as kind of we've talked before, is, is very tactical with what he says, but he he also just kind of got lost in it and kind of just vented. You know, he was just for him, he was looking back on a lot of things that we hadn't talked about in a while. And he just kind of went, went there with us. So it was really cool in that in that aspect, just to kind of unearth things with them and, and dive deep in with them. And, and yeah, by the end of it, I was like, holy crap, we have so much stuff and how are we going to try and fit it all in? And, and it was really cool to kind of piece it all together. And again, there's just stuff that unfortunately won't make air that was really, really cool. And, and just we're still putting it out there for the fans, you know, on social media now. But yeah, there was a lot to those guys and they were very deep and a lot of layers, but really awesome dudes. Yeah. And, and I just add to that. I, I think the from a strategy standpoint, what Kevin said is, is spot on. And I think one other just point to note is I think what we really wanted to, to make sure we were capturing was a, was a, a good cross section of voices, right? I always start when we're trying to put together a, a bigger project like this, who do you a need to hear from and who do you want to hear from? And, and sometimes those things overlap, right? Um, and so it was really important, I think, to Kevin and to myself that, you know, we, we hear the Iowa side of it, Tom, Terry, former teammates, Dan Gable, current wrestlers, but also that we hear an outside, you know, family, let's, let's not forget about them, but also an outside perspective, writers like yourself, Andy Hamilton, um, and then people like Tom Ryan and John Smith, who aren't associated with the program currently, and, and can speak honestly and candidly about their, th that perspective. Like, it was really important to me that we gave a full cross-section here and not didn't just focus on the Iowa side um, uh, without balancing that a little bit. So, you know, beyond that, what Kevin said is exactly the way I encourage our team to produce films, right? Go in with a plan, with, a, with, a, with some bullet points, but be, be nimble, be willing to adapt, if, if Tom and Terry takes, takes you somewhere that you didn't think it was going to go, then let's go get that. You know, if you think we, we learned of somebody we needed to get that we weren't thinking of, let's go find that person. 
And, and Kevin did a great job of that. And, and, and let's not forget, um, you know, John Costelli, who helped edit this, who's not on the call, deserves a lot of credit, too. So I just want to make sure he's recognized for his contributions to this project. Absolutely. How how long were the interviews with with Tom and Terry? Because I it looked like just based on watching it that they, you guys covered a lot of ground. Um, there was a lot of I mean, it looked like there's, you know, some highs, some lows, like they're calling you guys names jokingly, like, you know, for asking certain questions. Like, what were those interviews like with those dudes? Yeah, and that's what I was actually just going to touch on is they were gracious to give us kind of their whole day. They said, you know, we're available all day. Um, I, I kind of I had a lot of questions to ask, but I was like, you know, maybe an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I don't know how deep they'll go into things. And, you know, I looked down at my watch at one point, we were an hour and 45 minutes in and we were like still in the Olympic years. And I was like, holy crap, like we got a lot more to go and we got a lot more to cover. Um, so, yeah, I, I think both were about, about two and a half uh, in total, maybe a little bit more, you know, um, took a break to kind of, you know, Tom at one point, you know, said his butt was falling asleep. So we had to get up for a second and stretch out and we all kind of stretched out with them and, you know, had some good times there. But uh yeah, pretty lengthy interviews for those guys. And I think even at the end, we had to, you know, follow up with Tom even more. There was just more that he wanted to get off his chest. So on another trip later on, we, uh, we went back and just kind of sat down with him and he kind of expressed some more things that he wanted to get, get out there. So yeah, pretty much pretty lengthy for both those guys. I think all the interviews, you know, Gable was over an hour and, you know, a lot of those interviews, they're in depth with a lot of these people. So I don't think, I think the shortest one might've been 45 minutes, honestly. So, but th with those two guys specifically, you know, two and a half hours to almost three for those guys. I think that's one thing that really strikes me about wrestler about, you know, I, full disclosure, I would say that my interest in, and knowledge of wrestling has, has been on a, a steep learning curve here the last two or three years. Um, so, so I don't have kind of the, the lifetime knowledge of it that, that say you make Cody. And it's like, but from what I know, right. From what I know, what I've seen wrestling wrestlers are very um, most of them are quite eloquent and, and are not, a, they're candid, right? That's the word I'm looking for. And so as producers, as storytellers, uh, we don't want the camera to stop when people are being candid, like just go. And so I think that Kevin did a great job of, you know, we had a lot of ground to cover. Tom and Terry, as you guys all know, have lived a, a fascinating life, a distinguished, decorated career, and not something that you can sum up in 20 minutes. And so you have to take the time to do that, but that's, you know, what you get is a, is a really great product that, that Kevin's put together. Absolutely. Um, and I loved the, you know, people will see this just when you sat down with them, there are, there are moments where, you know, the, the interview keeps rolling or you catch them in an honest moment. Um, you know, and it really does, I think a good job of kind of showcasing their personality. Um, the conversation that you guys had with both of their parents, um, you know, that kind of shows, you know, where, where they came from. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I love those small little moments here and there. Cause there's, you know, it's not just with Tom and Terry, you, you catch moments like that. Um, I think with everybody that you guys interviewed, which, um, was part of the fun. Um, you know, I, I love, I love that you guys pulled in Tom Ryan. I love that you guys pulled in John Smith, like the, you know, his interview was, I thought was hilarious. Um, and, um, you, I mean, you guys also got like a ton of footage from various duels. Some of it you guys got, some of them I'm sure, um, you know, you had to ask permission to use, um, but it, you know, you guys did, I, you, you guys covered a lot of ground. Um, and I, some of the things even like, I, you know, and I've known them for the better part of a decade, there were some things in there that I didn't quite realize, um, or maybe I didn't know a ton about that revealed a lot more, um, which I guess, you know, the, my next question, like, what was you know, and, and if there's, I guess if there's a spoiler here, there's a spoiler here, but like, what was the most intriguing part 
that you guys learned about them or what was the most interesting or most fascinating or, you know, like what, what, what was something that you learned that maybe surprised you a little bit about them? Hmm. Kev, I'll let you take this one. I was going to say, you go first. I got a lot to think through here because I learned so much. About All right. Them. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably fair. I mean, for, I, again, I, I, at my level, I think, you know, obviously um, their relationship with their father was something that I thought was fascinating. And also I, I was really interested by the, the Randy Fakus, uh, the friend from, from Sheldon, Iowa. I just thought he was a really interesting character and, you know, in a way kind of a, 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 a different time in America, you know, where it, 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 people would just go and, and random adults would kind of help them, you know, become great wrestlers, you know, like not everybody has that and not, not all great athletes have that. And I think it was, it's really neat. And I think it speaks to some of the DNA of Sheldon in that area that, that that's where they came from. So that, and like, honestly, what I love that you just mentioned it, Cody is like there's, they had a style on the mat and, you know, I, I, I've been watching a lot of wrestling in the last three or four years and they're not a lot of guys, right. That, that come to mind for me and you know, way better than I do, but that, that have, that, that are like basically stalking their prey the whole match. And I really love that because that's how they sound when they talk. And when you saw that on the mat, man, that was really cool. And, you know, a lot of wrestling is, is strategy and when you make your moves for the takedowns and timing in matches and riding time and all that. And it like, it's, and maybe that's how they wrestled, but like, it seemed like most of the time they just weren't trying to take you down and pin you. And I like that kind of Spencer Lee style. Like I'm not even going to get to the second period. Let's go. And it, that was really cool to see because I don't think you see a ton of that. Uh, as much of that maybe now, and I could be wrong, and all the wrestling fans out there may say, what does this guy know? And you'd probably be right. I don't know a ton, but but that was really struck me. Yeah, I would say for me, it was, it was you hear a lot of these themes and kind of mantras from them, you know, their hatred of losing and, and just different things like that. And so for me as a storyteller to unearth where that came from and sitting down with with Bonnie and then sitting down with their father, you learn that they learn that stuff at an early age. You know, the father taught them, you get what you earn. And, and you see that you know, in the 2000 Olympics with Terry, you, he got what he earned. He earned the bronze medal there. So some of those themes and just kind of, again, sitting down with both parents and, and sitting down with Tom and Terry and learning where those things came from was really, really fascinating to me. And I dove into like where, where those things came from. Um, you know, those great stories about just the hard work because when they did something wrong, Tom or Terry, you know, their father would make them go to the garage and sort out nuts and bolts. And so that's where the hard work came from. And just different things like that. You just learn as young kids and, and for them, their hatred of losing came from those Monopoly board games and stuff like that. If one beat the other, they were so mad. We're going again, we're going again. And so just learning those things and seeing how that shaped them, that they now carry those things now, you know, 40, 50 years later was really, really cool to see. And just, again, just unearthing where that stuff came from that they still apply to everyday life now. Absolutely. What were, I mean, you guys said you couldn't fit everything into the documentary, but what were like maybe some of your favorite stories that didn't make the cut? Like what were some of the cooler things that you unfortunately had to leave out? There's a lot. I mean, we interviewed Royce Alger, who, for those who don't know him, is just one of the ultimate storytellers. Um, you ask him one question and you'll get you'll your next question in 10 minutes later, just because he just goes and he's so fascinating to listen to. He told a really funny one. It just it was just so long and we just it was hard to cover because you don't have footage of it. But um, he was in the car with, I believe, Terry and they're going to practice. And Royce is just kind of sitting up there with his feet on the dashboard. And it was really foggy and rainy, I think. And so there was like rain or, or river something was blocking the road and they couldn't go any further and terry was getting really mad and like i, I want to get to practice i want to get to practice he slammed on the horn the car in front of him was not moving and so he gets out he's like i'm gonna go take care of this and, and royce just sitting there with his feet up whatever and then he looks over and he says like 
the fog just kind of cleared as if it was the Red Sea. And on the other side is Tom. And so Tom's in the car in front of him, not moving. And they both just kind of come to a head in the middle of the road. Before it's like, I got to go stop him. And he goes out and he stops him from like getting in a, in a fight. But there was a lot of that stuff. Like those early college years are just so many stories from a lot of people, um, you know, Ironside included, who just gave us these insights into just how competitive they were even in college together. So that was just one of those that I just died laughing. And, and Royce was just a, just a comedian in his interview. So, but yeah, just a lot of those just really funny moments of those guys, just that competitive nature with both of them. So that was one that definitely stuck out. That was like, oh, I wish this didn't go in. It just... It just didn't fit in kind of our narrative there, but uh, fans will get to see it. I think we're going to put that one out there, just that whole story in full, so fans can kind of take that in because I didn't, I didn't do it anywhere near the justice that Royce did. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we should do an outtake show and just yeah. stories of Tom and Terry Brands, uh, random stories. You know, maybe maybe we'll piece that one together over the summer. So, I like that. I like that a lot. I think the, the one of the last questions I had for you guys, um, and maybe the answer is the same, but but when people watch this on Friday, um, either after the duel or, you know, I'm, I'm telling people to DVR it because the, you know, this duel has been sold out for two months. So I imagine, you know, there's a handful of thousand people that will have to DVR it. Um, what do you hope they take away from it? What do you hope they learn from it? Yeah, I think, and not to spoil kind of your bite that you have in it and you put it really, really well is, is people don't understand the passion that the brands have and they kind of perceive them in a certain way. And again, you, you had put this really perfectly. So I'm sorry for stealing your exact bite here, but it was perfect. Um, yeah. People see them and they see that fiery nature on the sidelines and, and, and just you know how passionate they are and that they, they get a little enthusiastic and, and for some newer viewers or whatever, if you're not an Iowa fan, you don't necessarily like that. And you think that they're you know, being too aggressive or too, too passionate. Um, and so our, our thing was, you know, we want to show people the true nature of the Brands Brothers. And, and that's what we hope that we did to, to give viewers a glimpse into their lives and to see the, the off the mat brands in, in the dads that they are and kind of the fathers that they are. And so um, and as you said, you know, the true passion, when you understand it, when you get to know these guys, you understand where that passion comes from and that people people, you know, like that passion. You know, whether you're an IR fan or not, you can understand why they're passionate for the sport. They have such a love for the sport. They want to see it succeed. And that's why they are the way they are. And so that was our goal is to kind of give fans, whether you're an Iowa fan or not, a glimpse into why these guys are the way they are, why they tick, why they do the things that they do. And just hopefully you can understand why they are the way they are. Yeah. I, I just added on to what Kevin said to, to me, the thing that I hope people take away is that while Tom and Terry Brands um, bleed, bleed black and gold for Iowa, uh, I think more importantly, they believe whatever colors wrestling is. And I think it's really important to them that not just Iowa, but the sport as a whole remain healthy, remain successful, uh, you know, grow, um, expand and, and evolve. And they've been a great part of it, you know, giving Kevin and the Big Ten Network uh, the opportunity to tell their story is a great example of that. Right. They didn't have to do that. They, they let us do that. And I think, you know, sure, they want their story out there, but I think they want wrestling out there. And I think that really matters. And, you know, as someone that, that's, as disclosed earlier, a little late to the wrestling game, I, you know, last Friday night, I'm sitting here in my office. I've got Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, Iowa, and I'm, I'm living and dying with every takedown. I'm not sure I even know exactly what takedowns, you know, why it should be two points or four points, but it's it's riveting. And I and I can't take my eyes off of it. And, and I think I am starting to comprehend why there'll be 15,000 people at Carver Hawkeye Arena on Friday night, why they're going to be a couple hundred thousand people watching this uh, duel on Friday night and hopefully our film after. And, and I think a lot Tom and Terry Brands are, that's what they care about. They want this to grow. 
And, and so that's, that's what I hope people take away is that wrestling isn't, isn't some, you know, uh, sport that you can't talk about that you can't be a fan of. Like it's a big deal. And, you know, WWE, big deal, big ratings, big popularity. And, you know, college wrestling, Olympic wrestling, international wrestling, great things. I was, I mean, when Gable won the gold medal this summer, it was one of the best Olympic moments I'd ever watched as a, as a fan. I couldn't believe that he got the takedown at, at the buzzer. Unbelievable. And so those are things that, that I hope people take away and that I hope Kevin's film um, makes people feel. is like, I want to I wanna watch more wrestling. That's a good thing, you know, like know the sport, become, become better at it. I've tasked myself with trying to do that. And, and I think over the last two or three years I've succeeded, but I've, I got a long way to go to catch up to you. So uh, there we go. You set a high bar, you set a high bar. And just to really quickly piggyback off that, you know, that's one of the things that I saw out of all the feedback that we got with Alex and Eli back in the day was people just said, it's good for the sport. You know, it's good to get the sport out there. And, and even though that was, it was a wrestling story, it was a lot more to it, you know, love and loss. Um, and this is just a true wrestling story. And, and again, we wanted to be, we want to continue to grow the sport at the network. And this was just good for the sport. Good to get these guys out there, these faces, you know, whether or not, again, an Iowa fan or not, they're just, they're good for the sport itself. They help grow the sport. They do a lot of things to progress the sport. Um, and that was kind of our goal is just how can we as the network continue to further the sport, continue to bring new, new viewers in and let, what better way than kind of introduce Tom and Terry to, to the, to the world uh, and give viewers a glimpse of their live and, and just these two polarizing figures in the sport. And our hope is to do more of these in the future. So, you know, all you wrestling fans, if you've got ideas, uh, send them our way because we're, we're in the wrestling business and we'd like to do, to do more of these as we move forward. That's awesome. You guys got early plans on who you might, you know, whose short story you might share up next or, or are those government secrets? Uh, they're probably government secrets, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, you'll be among the first to know when we get there. How's that? That's awesome. That's awesome. I, uh, I appreciate you guys um, sitting down to talk about this documentary. I'm really excited for people to see it. I was really honored that you guys chose to, to interview me and a handful of other people for it. Um, I know the wrestling community is going to love it. I know Iowa fans are going to love it. Um, and I think casual fans or, you know, casual Iowa fans or people who might be kind of like on the fringe there of wrestling, I think they're really going to thoroughly appreciate the storytelling too. Um, Cause there are a lot of people that just kind of, you know, they see the brands brothers and it's like, those are Iowa's wrestling coaches. Um, this is really going to introduce them more into it. And, um, you know, kind of like you guys said, like, I think people will understand their passion a lot better after they get done watching this film. So I appreciate you guys again for sitting down and, and chatting with me about this. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add um, before um, we sign off tonight? I, I just say thank you for your interest and your support and your participation in the film. And most importantly, I think Kevin and I are both really jealous that we won't be at Carver Hawkeye on Friday night. So um, enjoy uh, we, we, we know our network's going to put on a first class presentation. We're doing a, a half hour pregame show before the first duel that night, which is Michigan, Minnesota. So think about it in a, in a four hour, in a five hour span, you're going to get to see an Olympic gold medalist, an Olympic bronze medalist, I believe in miles Amin, right? He was a bronze medalist. Then you've got, you know, what, 10, 11 national champions in no, how many, no, five national champions and like 10 or 11 all Americans in the Penn state, Iowa duel, two of the, most legendary last names in the sport with brands and Sanderson. Like, I mean, and then you got an hour film after that. I mean, if you can't get into wrestling, that's, I, you know, these five hours are going to be a great five hours, five and a half, right? If you count the, the premium show, even before that, we got our, our debut of on the mat. So it's really a six hour block. Think about that on, on six hours on a Friday night 
where this wrestling happened. And I, I'm starting to shot sound like Shane Sparks, but like, if you don't love this, like, you know, I don't know what else we can do. So um, we hope everybody tunes in on Friday. And uh, again, thank you so much for your interest. And we hope everybody enjoys the film. Great job by Kevin Ritchie and John Costelli putting it together. Awesome conversation there with Bill and Kevin. You can you can sense that these guys are starting to get uh, starting to get the bug right. That they're starting to really kind of become fascinated with wrestling, not just from a storytelling aspect, but really kind of getting into the action. Um, and so that's uh, just super excited to see again um, the big story, the Brands Brothers. It's going to air after the duel on Friday night. So one final time, if you're going to be in the building, set your DVRs. If you're watching from home, don't click away when the duel's over. You guys are going to want to see this documentary. It is going to be absolutely spectacular. Spectacular. The whole night um, is actually going to be really awesome. A full six-hour block of wrestling on Big Ten Network. I know they're starting um, with uh, they're starting it at five o'clock, right? Five o'clock Central Time. Um, you know they got a thirty-minute show there. If I can bring up the schedule. Um, this is really bad podcast recording, but we're going to do it anyway on the mat, right? So they got a 30 minute episode of on the mat, their newest one. Um, then at six 30, they're doing a, a B1G live wrestling pregame studio show, Rick Pizzo. Um, he's going to preview the, the two duels that'll be on big 10 network that night, right? So they've got Minnesota, Michigan. That's going to be at six o'clock central. And then obviously Iowa Penn state at eight o'clock, those two duels. And then they'll conclude with the brands brothers documentary. So a lot of wrestling on big 10 network on Friday night. Um, really awesome that they can continue to show um, a willingness to invest time and energy into the sport of wrestling. Um, Obviously helps when you're covering the Big Ten Conference, right? But um, still really awesome to kind of see the investment that's made there. The one final thing I wanted to end with you guys was I did ask Tom about the documentary. That was one thing I clipped out of his press conference from earlier because I wanted to lay it down here. Um, So I'll lay down that question and his answer here for you guys right now. He seems pretty excited also about the, the documentary that's coming out. So here's what Tom had to say. You guys got a documentary coming out Friday after the duel. I was kind of curious what your thoughts were um, just about like working with Big Ten Network on that documentary. And um, I imagine you guys have probably seen it. Kevin Ritchie, the producer, is awesome. Um, Brewer, as you know, it's awesome. Um, it was something where when we decided to do it, it was like, I mean, Chris Brewer had boom, 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 boom. The schedule was done. It was done pretty quick. Um, that, that's one thing that you appreciate. Um, it wasn't like hanging over our head where it was like a two-month production. Um, it, it happened, it happened quick. I think to make some commentary, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of things in there that a lot of people that know us well, uh, certainly our roster, our families aren't going to be, um, surprised on, but people that they think they know you and just, you know, the public life that they see you living, uh, I think you're going to be surprised on some things that, you know, we are who we are because that's who we are. And does that make any sense? Maybe not if you hear it. Um, But to me, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, there's a lot of um, people that are involved when, I mean, this is a story that, um, you know, there's there's a lot of people that you have to thank and it's everybody's story. You could do the same documentary on any number of successful people in sports or business or any, any way, anywhere. And it comes out the same. I mean, you got to overcome things. Um, you got to make things go your way. And, you know, whatever you decide to do in the world, you know, go do it. But, but don't do it with hesitation. You know, just go do it. 
And really, you don't apologize much. We got a room full of those guys. I think that's why the, the makeup of the guys that we recruit in our program um, is, is so good because um, we have guys that understand, you know, what we're trying to get out of them and how we're trying to get it out of them. Um, and the last thing I'll say about it is, and, and some of this is recruiting pitch, um, but the other thing I'll say about it is that there's, there's no way that you can come to school at the University of Iowa and not know that you're going to be taken care of at the highest, highest level from a loyalty point of view and accountability goes with that. But loyalty and accountability are the same thing. And this documentary maybe shows that a little bit. I don't know. It's good. Kevin Ritchie did a good job. I did see it. There you have it from the man himself, uh, from me, obviously, from the two guys that put it together, Kevin Ritchie and Bill Friedman. Thank you again for their time and their efforts and their continued investment in the sport of wrestling. And thank you, dear listener. I know this show a lot longer than what I normally do each week, but there's a lot going on ahead of this duel, and there was a lot of information that I wanted to make sure to get you guys, to get you hyped up for a really, really big Friday, um, you know, for the wrestling, for um, what's coming after wrestling, and, and just kind of moving forward through the end of the season heck of a way to uh, end what was a pretty pretty uh pretty long month i would think i don't know it, this january always feels like a grind but especially um especially this year for one reason or another but that is all i have today you guys thanks a bunch for listening be sure to rate and review the show on apple podcast stitcher spotify google podcast iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows follow your boy on twitter at cody goodwin instagram cody j goodwin and be sure to also subscribe to the des moines register for all my stories mailbags analysis and videos they're putting more stuff behind the paywall i'm sure you guys have picked up on that over the course of the season and i don't want you guys to miss a thing so you you can still get the 99 cents for three months. That's going to take you all the way through the end of the season and include some postseason stuff as well. If you do it now, um, do it, do it, do it, please. Um, it allows me to do a lot of really, really cool things with our wrestling coverage. And obviously you guys will get all the top tier coverage that I provide and our team provides at the Des Moines Register and Hawk Central every single season. So you can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon. 